Welcome to 5 Minutes in Church History, hosted by Dr. Stephen Nichols, where we take a little break from the present to go exploring the past. Travel back in time as we look at the people, events, and even the places that have shaped the story of Christianity. This is our story, our family history. Let's get started. What is the longest word in the English language? Well, I think it's disputed, at least if you consult YouTube videos out there and people reading what is claimed to be the longest word, so I don't know. But I have a word for you. I'm not saying it's the longest, but I'm saying it's very long. Are you ready? It's disestablishmentarianism. Uh, by my count, that's 10 syllables. What is disestablishmentarianism? Well, first we need to know what is establishmentarianism. And for that, let's go back, all the way back to Constantine in the 300s. And there, Constantine not only legalized Christianity, but he enacted laws that made it preferential to be a Christian, and we have the beginnings of an established state church. This rolls on through the Middle Ages. By the time we get to Christmas Day 800, we see a zenith of this establishmentarianism. Pope Leo III is crowning Charlemagne Holy Roman Emperor. And so through the Middle Ages, we have an established church. This was also true of the Reformers. We sometimes use the designation magisterial Reformers. That's not to say that the Reformers were grand or authoritative magisterial. It's a reference to the magistrate. And so whether it was Calvin and the Calvinists or Luther and the Lutherans or the Anglicans or the Presbyterians, there was a view of an interdependence of church and state. The group that was opposed to that were the Anabaptists during the Reformation period. But it's really in the modern age that we begin to see disestablishmentarianism. A key piece of this is William Penn, the Quaker. In 1681, King Charles II deeded land to William Penn. And the next year, he settled his province, later colony, later state of Penn's Woods. And you put woods into the Latin and you have Pennsylvania. It was established as a colony of religious freedom. But for the most part, the colonies had an established, a tax-supported church. Even after the Revolutionary War, as these colonies became states, we see them carry on in this establishmentarian practice. In fact, it's up until 1835 that Massachusetts has a state-supported church, the Congregational Church. Well, back in 1786, there was a key piece of legislation. It was entitled the Virginia Statute of Religious Freedom. It was written by Thomas Jefferson, and it promoted this idea of religious freedom. Then we go into the Constitution of the United States, which was written in 1787. It was enacted in 1789. And in 1791, the first 10 amendments were ratified, and famously, the first amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So in those first two clauses, we have what are known as the establishment clause, that is, there will be no establishment of religion, and the free exercise clause, which is the positive side of that, of promoting the freedom of religious expression. We sometimes hear the expression of a separation of church and state. That's actually not in the Constitution. Came in a letter 
1802, a letter from Thomas Jefferson, who was president at the time, to the Danbury Baptist Association. And he interpreted the First Amendment as, thus building the wall of separation between church and state. In many ways, it has been interpreted since then, but it is not language that is in the Constitution. But what we do have is a disestablishmentarianism as the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights. Well, there you have it, a long history for a long word. And there are many opinions about this word, this word of many syllables, disestablishmentarianism. I'm Steve Nichols, and thank you for your free exercise of listening to 5 Minutes in Church History. For more information or to listen to past episodes, please visit 5minutesinchurchhistory.com.